Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And we are back, Rangers and overall hockey fans. Thank you guys so much for chiming in. If you're watching this in the live stream on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. And if you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, thank you so much as well. This is Rangers Review episode 52 now. And this is easily one of the more positive episodes that we have had all year. Where since the last time that Steven and I talked, myself, Wardy, you guys know me and Stat Boy Steven. The Rangers did not lose a game during this stretch. We had our predictions like we do every episode. Steven continues to hold the belt unfortunately because even though neither of us were right in our predictions heading into this uh this week's recording he did have the over on goals of at least 12 where i had 11 and the rangers scored a good amount I'll of goals or these i'll, past take, I'll take it any way i can get it exactly but I'll yeah a lot, of positive, a lot of positives get into in today's episode i'm really pumped up for it uh for the rangers over the last four games in which they went four and oh so we'll be deep diving get, sharing a fairly quick recap on these past four games and really breaking down the new acquisitions for the New York Rangers and just how superb they have been since the Rangers acquired all of them and how brilliant Chris Drury is looking now with 12 games left until playoffs begin thanks to these new moves for the Rangers. So plenty deep dive, very excited as always. And again, if you guys are in the live stream, thank you guys so much for being here. We'll be answering some questions towards the end of the pod like we normally do if you're here on YouTube uh, where we answer a couple questions before we look at the upcoming schedule and wrap things up. But enough of me talking. Steven, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. Um, you know, it's Thursday, so we're closer to the weekend than we usually are for our recordings. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's a positive. That's a nice one. Um, now, uh, but overall, uh, you know, uh, getting back into the groove of, uh, you know, being in Dublin, going to work. Um, unfortunately, daylight savings kicked in here, so... Uh, we're we're five hours away again. Uh, no no more 11 p.m. Uh, puck drops for me. But um, yeah, the last four games have been have been pretty impressive. Um, honestly, did not expect them to go four and zero. But aside from going four and zero, what I really want to touch on here and what really stands out to me about this Rangers team before we dive into the the, the games. They won two games in regulation. And if you would have asked me last week, which two games do you want to, if you can only win two games in regulation and two in overtime, which ones do you want to win in regulation? And they did exactly, they won exactly the games I wanted them to win in regulation. Because if I have to give up a loser point in overtime, I'd rather have it be against a team that's not in play of contention. But beating the Penguins in regulation twice, that is an eight and eight point swing with our biggest competitor for home ice advantage in the playoffs that's huge and i don't i don't think it's talked about enough it isn't talked about enough especially how big of an impact that is yeah yeah yeah, exactly because we all know that regulation you were preaching this last pod how important it was to really have these good games against penguins but again to do it without even going to overtime that is huge exactly like you said as the rangers again are getting closer and closer to the regular season ending they currently stand on the season 44, 19, and 5, 93 points. They are currently the fourth-best team points-wise in all the NHL, second in the Metro, only three points behind the uh, the Hurricanes. And it's crazy how in just a week's time, last time we recorded, the Capitals were right 
nipping at the heels of the Rangers. And now the Rangers have a nine point difference between the two. So it's crazy and, how just a couple good games can make a difference for the team in the standings. With Carolina dropping points when us still playing them twice. Yep. We're only five points behind. I mean, it's I, I rather focus on, on Pittsburgh, you know, who we are in contention with for home for that home ice advantage spot, second in the division. But I still keep keep a little bit of an eye on Carolina because you never know. Um, but yeah, the regulation wins against the Penguins. That's huge. And and it was the first time since uh, this uh, since January 2012 the Rangers had consecutive regulation wins against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the regular season. Wow. It's been ten years. It's been ten years since we since we were able to beat them twice in 60 minutes. So huge uh, huge game there. And um, yeah, I'd like to dive into it a little deeper after we do the game recaps on how Drury has has transformed his team into a five-on-five juggernaut. And it didn't take much. That's the beauty of it all. This is something that did not cost you endless top prospects, endless first-round picks. This is something where Glenn Sather's probably looking at, well, I'll be damned. You know, it must be nice. You know know probably more than anyone because we talk. I probably talk to you about hockey more than I talk to anyone else. You know more than anyone what my biggest – concern was going into the trade deadline i was concerned that he was going to give up first round picks and top prospects which i didn't want him to do but he was able to to solidify our bottom six solidify our penalty kill and strengthen our 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 even strength play in general with second third and fourth round picks that's really impressive really impressive job but job by chris drury there and let, let's just pivot right into these games now, because again, these players were right at the forefront of them all. Uh, games 65 through 68, the pass forward for the Rangers. And again, guys, if you're just chiming in the live stream, thank you so much for being here. Drop some comments. Mm-hmm. We'll be answering questions towards the end. Hit that like and subscribe on if you're watching a replay too, and wherever you get your podcast. But getting into this one again, Steven, my goodness, because when you looked at these matchups against the Penguins, what was important to me was one, obviously, that the Rangers hopefully win, but it's how they win, right? You have been such a heavy advocate, as have I, where, you know, wins are great and all, but we want to see the Rangers win games where they didn't just luck out. Like a perfect example would be their last game against the Carolina Hurricanes. They had absolutely no business being in that game, but Alexander Georgiev had arguably his best start of his entire career right before the trade deadline. Didn't see that in this past four game stretch by any means, but still getting into this Penguins game, it was just high flying right away. You saw the lines and look, this balance, especially with that third line with Alexi Lafreniere, you know, I was griping a little bit of seam on third, but I'm like, you know what? You want to try to toy with things. You have cop on right. You have Stromer still in before his injury, of course, in this game. And they just had a perfect flow of things. And the Penguins, they they were looked two steps behind kind of right away. And the Rangers, it was so refreshing to see them jump on a team in a, gr- in a great spurt where you get multiple goals and it be in the Rangers' favor this time. You know, over the yeah. past month, especially games that you attended, it just out of nowhere, the Rangers were giving up endless goals in just a couple-minute yeah. span. This time mm-hmm. it was in the Rangers' favor, and it started with Alexi Lafreniere, who has really been looking good. He has been scoring every game. His five-game point streak has ended. But still, Alexi has looked fantastic. Got his 14th goal this season. Only two minutes into this one, uh, Philip Hedl and Goodrow with the assists. Just really nice playmaking by them all. And then Chris Kreider doing what Kreider does. I know you want Kreider to at least get two points over these next four games. He did that. And then some Kreider gets his 43rd of the year. Two minutes right after Alexi's goal, his 43rd assisted by Zvanjad. That was Zvanjad at the time's 40th apple. Then the Penguin Killer, the guy that I mentioned, and you got mad that I brought up the stat before you did. 
Frank Petrano, you know, he's he's had what? 10 points and I believe 13 games or so going into these games against uh, the Penguins on the Rangers side. Now this season, yeah. he gets himself his 12 goal of season, a nice goal in front set up by Zibanejad, his uh, 41st apple and Kreider's 17th apple. So Rangers have a quick three, nothing lead in only a two minute span. Really? That's all it took in that first period for the Rangers. I was watching this and I felt like after I blinked, they just kept scoring and scoring. I was like, I didn't, I honestly didn't know how to handle it. I was by myself watching the game, my living room and just screaming my head off. I was like, where did this come from? This is insane. What a fantastic start high flying for the Rangers. And they continue, they continue to show the pace in the second period in this one, thanks to not a power play, but a shorthanded goal by Chris Kreider. And Chris Kreider, we're going to expand on a lot and not just this game, but throughout this stretch, but he was simply dominant. He was the best player on the ice in this game by far. He was dominating on the boards. He was getting constant breakaways. One-on-one, he was making the takeaways happen. He was just such a heavy body, and the elite speed that he always has was on full display. The Rangers, it felt like any given chance he was going to have a breakaway and score a goal, and he did that there with a shorty, his 44th of the season, assisted by a nice pass by Zibanejad, his 42nd apple. Already at that point, not even halfway through the game, Zibanejad already has three assists in this one. Now we get a third period. Jeff Carter does get a power play goal. It was unfortunate. I really want to see Igor get the shutout in this one, but it is what it is. Carter guys, 15th, assisted by Kapanen and Heinen. Uh, six minutes into the third period, but then Andrew Kopp, Gets himself his 14th goal of the season, assisted by Panarin, his 58th apple at the time, and Stromer's 30th, again, while he was still healthy. Rangers won 5-1, and what a beautiful pass by Panarin. You saw Cop right after being like, what an effing pass. A beautiful setup for a 1-T right in front towards the end of the game to really seal it, not even an empty net or anything like that. Just made it a 5 And it wouldn't be the last time we see that combination. Exactly, yes. Yeah, the top has definitely been able to take advantage of especially Strom's absence in recent games. So overall, Rangers won 5-1. Nothing really else you need to say there. Igor looked very solid as well, like he normally does. Made some massive saves when needed. Uh, Had himself a 20 out of 21 saves. And then you saw goaltending-wise, we saw Tristan Jari get pulled from the game. Then you had DeSmith come in the game, and DeSmith then got rattled up, and he was out of the game with injuries. So Jari came in, and if it wasn't for Tristan Jari, especially when he came back in, this easily could have been an 8-1 victory for the Rangers. He was making highlight real saves left and right. He's done that multiple times against the Rangers already this season, so props to him. But still, Rangers is a dominant win, uh, first of the next uh, three games that we'll be getting into. And yeah, Chris Kreider, he was quite literally the best player, and it wasn't even close in this one. Just simply no. dominant from every which way that you look at it. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, uh, shout out to Mika Zibanejad with three consecutive assists. You know, Absolutely. he assisted on, on the second, third, and fourth goal for the Rangers. Um, but, yeah, uh, Frank Vetrano, um right now, after the other Penguins game, I think he has 12 points in 15 games in his career against the Penguins. Um, that's... That's unreal. And Penguin's killer is is the right the right description there. But Chris Kreider was the man of the hour in this game for me. Um, he scored twice, added an assist. And finally, after 29 years, we no longer have to say that Tony Amonti is the last Rangers forward draft pick to hit 60 points for us. Because Chris Kreider in this game, adding three, got to 61. 
And it's great that you bring that up because I actually saw a tweet yesterday from Howie Rose, of course, who is doing the uh, play-by-play over the radio for the Mets, of course, famously did the call for Mateau back in 94 when he was with the Rangers. And Rose made a good point yesterday. He said, you know, I we all love Yarmir Yager, but he isn't remembered as a New York Ranger. I would love to see Chris Kreider pass Yager for the most goals in a Rangers season. And I believe he needs, I think, eight at least still um, over these next. He needs a good amount still. Uh, to he, end he, need, he needs eight to tie it, nine to break it. Yes. Nine to break it over 12 games. So tall task. I would, I, I'm would. i not getting my hopes up, but I, I, agree, I, I agree with 14 games. 14 games? Oh, okay. we, I can't count. You know, we've played 68. This, was, this I mean, is why I'm a content creator and not anything else. I'd I'm like not to an accountant. No, no. Yes. Um, but to to expand quickly on what Howie said, I agree with him. You know, we all love Yager, of course, but he Kreider's at homegrown talent. So if you have the possibility at all of trying to break that record for a homegrown talent, by all means, I'm I'm far more in favor of that than anything else. Now, again, I, I would be surprised if that happened, just given the fact of how many games we have left. But by all means, am I rooting for it 100% with Kreider? You know, he passed the Monty Array with points. Now let's see if he can get the goal scoring wise uh, for all yeah. Rangers in their history. That'd be tremendous. Well, the uh, the the goal scoring for Ranger draft picks in franchise history, of course, he already got when he uh, passed yeah. Steve Vickers with his 42nd. Um that record stood for for 47 years, by the way. Steve Vickers did it in 1975. He had 41 goals in 80 games. Yep. Kreider right now, after these four games, has 46 in 68 with 14 games to go. Um, but another thing I wanted to bring up about Kreider in this game is he became the first Ranger to do something ever. And what did he do? He became the first Ranger ever to have at least – Three games in a single season where he scores both shorthanded and at even strength. Wow, you would think you would think that a Ranger would have done that by now, yeah. but no, there, there are there are a bunch of players who've done it in uh, twice in a season, including Brendan Dubinsky, but no Dude. player in Rangers history has ever done that three times in a season. And what makes it even more impressive is that prior to this season, Chris Kreider had zero career shorthanded goals. I, I think it's fair to say that. Like everything else, this has been quite the anomaly of a season for Chris Kreider in the best and way. It's possible. great. It's great. And we should not expect him to to all of a sudden turn into Austin Matthews. You know, no. let's just appreciate this for what it is. This is his Adam Graves year, for lack of Thank a better yep. way I'm, of describing it. I've been you know? preaching it quite literally since he started yeah. the season. You know, it just there's so many similarities with not necessarily on their play, but just in the sense of the goal scoring and what they have done to their career norms. This is his gravy year, 1,000%. The way they utilize him on the power play, uh, he he probably could have hit 50 by now if he didn't pass up some empty netters earlier in the season. Oh, 100%. Yep. You know, um, but on the power play, the way he's utilized, and we'll get into the Red Wings game later, but it just pops in my head now. Last night, uh, was it last night? When did we play the Red Wings? Yeah, it was last night. Yeah, yeah, last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, the days blur together a little bit after a while. Steven, but... that's how I am every week. Um, so time. last night, there was a power play. Before he got his power play goal, um, he was next to the net, like like to, to the right side of yes. uh, uh, of Nadel- uh, Nadelkovic. And Fox passed it to him, and he deflected it on net. And Nadelkovic caught it in his glove, but 
That was such a smart play. And honestly, I wish that would have been his power play goal last night because that would have been a beautiful power play goal. They just know how to utilize him in that in that in that spot. And against the Penguins, he didn't get on the board on the power play, but he got his 43rd and 44th. He assisted on Frank Vetrano's goal, which was the third of the game. By the way, the Rangers scoring three times in two minutes and nine seconds. So for once, we are on the uh, on the opposite end of a situation like this. Really refreshing. Uh, but overall, you know, uh, Kreider, what a guy. Um, and one thing I'd like to point out as well in this game is Tyler Mott. Yeah, um, I think I want – let's expand a lot on Mott once we're done with the, these recaps. Yeah, but especially in this game. This especially yeah. in this game because at the end of the first period, Dryden Hunt took a double minor penalty four minutes. Yeah. And I think there was like four and a half minutes to go, so we're going. We we we'd have to kill off four a double a double minor uh, without being helped by intermission. And Tyler Mott is is so aware on the penalty kill, and he did this against the Penguins, and I think he did it again last night, where he has the awareness to instead of just dumping it in, circle back, pass it back to his defenseman. In this case, it was Keandre Miller. And then Keandre Miller, after a couple of seconds, waits for the Penguins to come up to him, and then he dumps the puck. That, on a four-minute power play, kills like 20, 25 seconds. That's huge, and that, I don't think we see that enough. You know what that reminded me of right away? What? Take a guess. A former Ranger. Uh, Grabner? No, oh. Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes was Kevin the first Hayes. Pop in my head. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Hayes was very good when he was with the Ranger on the PK, yeah. especially yeah. dropped it back. He used to carry it a lot himself. You know, we, he still does that to this day, but yeah. I never understood the mindset when you are a team on the penalty kill and you mm -hmm. have possession and the, the say the team that has the power play is impressing too hard. Hold it yeah. as long as you possibly can. Just exactly. don't put yourself in a situation where it's too long, where then you potentially yeah. uh, have a, a giveaway and then, you know, an odd man rush happens or something. But yeah, hold it. Yeah, I agree with you. My, it's it's that is smart hockey that mm -hmm. I don't think you see and enough, and it's really frustrating that you don't. I've always been an advocate for holding yeah, the puck yeah. as much as you can on the PK. Exactly, and I know it's risky because if you don't retain possession and you turn it over, then you give up a breakaway on the penalty kill, and that's that's brutal. But the the last thing I want to point out before we get into the um, the Sabers game, uh, second period, Shostorkin got a delay of game penalty because. Uh, he he didn't control the puck properly, and it was on edge, uh, and he he shot it over the glass, which is fine. Um, for all the good things he does with the puck, I'm okay with him getting the occasional delay of game penalty because he he mishandles the puck. Well, did you see how he operated on that yeah. penalty kill as well? You yeah. know, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. Sorry, that's I'm excited. <laughs> the other thing, we go on a penalty kill, and it didn't face Shoshukin one bit. You know, he still had those stretch passes, and he still was 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 confident and and still willing to play the puck. And man, I love seeing him 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 handle the puck. You know, he's he's such a he's almost like a third defenseman. It's 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 nice. It's refreshing. This team has so many has so many different elements to it that we haven't seen for years, or in Chef Jurkin's case, probably forever. I don't remember ever seeing a goalie that's this comfortable handling the puck. I I do not remember the last Ranger, maybe Kevin Hayes, who was this composed and calm on the penalty kill was Tyler Mott. You know. Exactly. Um, 
it's it's just it's 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 a great overall feeling to have these players on your team and for them to gel after a deadline where you know we got off to a to a rough start against the devils losing seven to four but you know um penguins game here it was it was really good you know what i loved do you remember last week i told you you know rangers got their shit kicked in by the devils after having a hot start penguins same exact thing happened then penguins went on to beat the rangers and now the rangers went on to beat the pens here and in a dominant fashion so it feels like we all kind of need that wake-up call from the devils every now and then to kind of kick us back in the flow and saying hey i'm a lot better than what i did tonight i'm gonna make sure that i perform a million times better and yeah so let's pivot now to this detroit game steven not Detroit, Uh, uh, the Sabre game buffalo sabers first yeah um Look, again, another game where the Rangers are off to a fast start, you know, uh, at home against the Sabres. And the last time they played the Sabres at the Garden was late November, the Hockey Fights Cancer game, where they were struggling to keep the puck out of their own net. I think that game ended in 5-4 as well. Um, but this time, Frank Vetrano with two quick goals in 18 seconds. He scored Frankie. twice in 18 seconds, which, if I remember correctly, it was shown on the broadcast, was the fastest two goals by a ranger uh, since either don maloney or don murdoch in the it was it was actually yager was it no 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 two goals in 18 seconds for the ranger i think it was don maloney i think i showed it on the broadcast i'm almost Um, certain it was yager i'll double check but i remember i thought i saw yager on the graphic there because people were joking about it's where it'd be like how the hell did yager do it faster but I'll, I'll double check. Okay. Not a big deal. Yeah, we'll have to, anyway, Frank Vetrano gets two goals in 18 seconds. Uh, you know, great for the Rangers to get to get on top. Another assist by Chris Kreider, who uh, for the first time in his career had a had a three-game assist streak. <laughs> crazy. So, yeah, it, it is pretty crazy. But unfortunately, near the end of the first period, Rasmus Asplund gets, gets one back for the Sabres. Uh, and then early in the second, Will Butcher and uh, Kalik Poso score in in about a four minute span to uh to give the sabers the three two lead and this was where i was getting a little bit annoyed because we've seen this before we've seen a rangers team this season where they come off a really dominant performance only to then throw it away against a a an inferior team with all due respect yeah they they, they play play down to lesser opponents yeah yeah uh, but then, you know, with with 11.46 to go in the second period, Lafreniere ties it up, assisted by Hedl and Brodzinski. Uh, and then the third period, Panarin from Truba and Cobb gives us the lead, but unfortunately Skinner on the power play ties it up. Uh, Patrick Nemeth got caught uh, high-sticking, went to the box, Skinner ties it up. Oh. And then in overtime, Keandre <laughs> Miller, assisted by Lafreniere and Andrew Cobb, um, Sixth goal of the season for Keandre Miller. And I think that was his third game-winning goal, which is the fourth highest in his draft class. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, fifth highest in his draft class. And the four players ahead of him are Andrei Svechnikov, second overall, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, third overall, Brady Kachuk, fourth overall, and Yegor Sharangovich, who I think was 142nd overall. So... Take away the Sharon Govich anomaly. The guys that are basically ahead of Miller in game-winning goals in his draft class of 2018 are top five picks, and all four of them are forwards. So 
Keandre Miller, you know, getting another game-winning goal, uh, huge. And, you know, the Rangers pull it out of the fire, 5-4 in overtime. And as I said earlier, if I'm going to have to go to overtime against a team, I'd rather have it be against a lottery team. If I can get those regulation wins in against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm a happy man. Uh, Georgiev only faced uh, uh, 17 shots. Um, you know, he saved 13 of them. Not a great game by him. But, um, it wouldn't be the last either, unfortunately. I know, but but we still got the win. Uh, Georgiev with a .800 save percentage since that shutout win against the Carolina Hurricanes. But yeah. he, he still won both games he started in. Um, and he didn't get credited with the loss against the Devils either because that loss went to Igor Shashjorkin. So despite the terrible numbers, he, he got two wins out of two out of two starts. So that, that, that's, that sounds like a man that was able to swipe Two wins. Very yeah. quite the opposite, actually, and, for the Rangers many times this year, where they as a team swiped mm-hmm. two wins, multiple wins when really it, it was Igor that won the show versus mm-hmm. the actual yeah. team. Henrik Lundqvist, how many times the real standout here for me is the fact that the Rangers scored five even strength goals in this game. I'm sorry, repeat that. I didn't hear you. What really stood out to me this game for the Rangers is that the team scored five even strength goals. Yep. And I'll get into that in a second because it ties into how they solidified the team and where they rank at the moment in the league in even strength scoring. But we'll get to that after the after the Red Wings game. This this game further reaffirmed to me that Alexi Lafreniere owns the Buffalo Sabres. Not to a crazy degree, but more mm-hmm. often than not, I'm Laffy's getting himself a goal or on the score sheet when he's playing Buffalo starting with, of course, his first goal of his career, yeah. which was against Buffalo and Buffalo. And yeah, every time we play the Sabres, I'm like, all right, Laffy, I expect him to get on the, on the point sheet, you know, um, it's, but, like, it's like, it's like Drew Stafford owning the Rangers. Yeah. Like multiple players that own the Rangers. <laughs> For yeah, no, yeah. Some of them, some of them, it makes perfect sense. Others, it doesn't at all. It does. Vary I, still, sure. I still, I still have nightmares of Jimmy Howard in that at the garden. Against Me us. too. I have nightmares of Detroit as well. You'll get into the game, but the Rangers, it doesn't matter where Detroit stands ever. They always have to play Mm -hmm. a tight game against them, and they go to overtime. Like yesterday's overtime, I was having flashbacks of when the Rangers were in Detroit in OT, and they won with Cam Talbot in that. Like, that's how long we're going, you know? It feels like every year this type of thing happens. Um, But, all right, let's get into the next game. This was another game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and another game where the Rangers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, again, I know that we talked endlessly about it, Ray, but for the Rangers to come out and beat this team twice in regulation when they were ahead of us in the standings, damn, does that feel good. I mean, the Rangers have had the Pens number this year. The Pens had one game where they they had the upper edge over uh, the Rangers this season. That's it. Rangers have been more dominant. The Rangers didn't play a bad game when they lost to the Penguins. They didn't play a bad game, no, but they they won. Jari um, stole the you show. Know, the, the Penguins got a fluke power play. Where, no. Yeah, that was when Malkin scored on Igor. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get yeah. into this one because again, the Rangers ended up winning three to two. Uh, we'll get into the heart attack that you guys all saw in the last couple minutes. But Brian Boyle, the former New York Ranger, who I'm very happy still in the league, might add, Boyle got his ninth. I wasn't happy about that goal, but I, I was. Ha- I'm happy that he's still in the AHL. Boyle got his ninth of the season, assisted by Dumoulin and Latane in this one. And of course, Igor had the start. That's why the Rangers, you know, didn't give up at least four goals. Um, but Frank Vitrano, uh, second period, continuing to be the Pittsburgh Penguins killer. That's why we have him on the thumbnail today. 
uh, his 15th of the season, assisted by Zvanajad, his 43rd apple, and Kreider's 19th apple. Kreider with the assist, look at that. And then not too long after that, four minutes or so after that, as a matter of fact, with only three minutes to go left in the second period, Braden Schneider rips an absolute beauty one t driving into the offensive zone, assisted by Panarin, uh, his 59th apple of the year, and Cops 27th. Uh, that was Schneider's second of the year. Kind of similar goals. Both of Schneider's goals this year have been a little bit similar in the offensive zone, driving it a little bit. But yeah, nice to see Schneider. I'm so happy that Schneider's been gaining consistent playing time. Braun has been the odd man out. And you could tell that that's a little, a little bit of a fire under Nemeth's ass in certain, in certain parts that we've seen over these past couple of games. You know, I don't love Nemeth by any means, but he's definitely has played some strong hockey here and there that we've seen recently for sure. Um, but then we get into the third period and, I mean, look, if you thought Chris Kreider wasn't going to score, I, I don't know. I think you're just a fool for thinking that. Come on, Kreider, power play goal, right for one minute into the third period for the Rangers, his 45th of the year. So at that point, Kreider already got what I thought he would have for the entirety of the season. So I'm so glad that Kreider may very well touch 50 this year or get close to 45 already for Kreider's, assisted by Fox's 55th apple and Aaron's 60th apple. That on the power play. And then Sidney Crosby scores a power play goal halfway through the third. It is 25th of the year. And then the last couple minutes for the Rangers, they just had they, – they all pulled a Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom was not playing in this game due to injury, but that didn't stop the Rangers from all adopting the Ryan Strom philosophy by not hitting empty nets. Time and time again, they tried. They had so many opportunities. They could not bury it. it Zabanjad got boarded. No call. There were multiple no calls in this game that were just egregious that we've seen in the past couple of games for the Rangers, not in their favor. And the yep. Rangers ended up winning, but this was a hard attack. This was exactly what you would expect in a typical Rangers fashion, a tight game against Pittsburgh. And yeah, Are we going to talk, talk about the Rangers channeling their inner Ryan Strong with the empty net, or are we just going to skip over it? Steven, I just I just talked about it. Did you yeah, not hear me? But, but no, but can we, can we just take a second there? I Do mean, you want a deep dive step-by-step what transpired? Go ahead. No, I mean, come on. Uh, this team, for as great as they are, you know, they should just shoot more. Um, you have Kreider, Kopp, and Zabanajet in the offensive zone with the empty net, and they're just Playing passing pretty it around. It. Oh my god, it, it was that was that was a little frustrating, and and they 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 they, they could have ended it there, but you know, it's um, yeah, I really I really hope for 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 another Kreider goal there with the empty net, but look, that 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 empty net sequence was uh, was was worse than than probably yeah most most other games where you give up a lead late we didn't give up the lead but man that was frustrating you know what the rangers said they said you know what how can we make this as painful for igor as possible and that's exactly what they did but he came through He, he still came through he did he did come through thank god uh 22 to 24 on his uh shots uh saves i should say and 917 save percentage, but Igor had some massive saves in this one per usual. And again, a good win for the Rangers. They need that one. Awesome to see them shut down the Pens twice in a three-game span. It doesn't yeah. get much better than that. And now the Rangers at that point, of course, sit atop the Penguins in the standings by a couple points. So, yeah, big win for the Rangers. Frustrating ending, but again, they still won in the end. That's all that matters. Uh, Steven, anything more that you'd like to add on before we get to the final game? Um, well, I would like to add that, uh, you know, the Penguins, when they played us, they came off that huge 11-2 win against the Red Wings. Good point. Um, and, and I think that, I think that definitely played into, into it a little bit for the Penguins. You know, when you come off such a game where you, where you score double digits, 
um, it's it's really difficult to then for the next game get that you know bring that intensity that you that you need for the next opponent. Um, but the Rangers beating the Penguins twice in regulation that's an eight point swing. Uh, let's not underestimate how important those two regulation wins are. If you give if you win in overtime twice, then you're basically then then you're basically only gaining two points in total. But now you get four points while giving the Penguins nothing. That's 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 huge. And if this team wants to go somewhere in the playoffs, they need to have at least home ice advantage because it is so important. It is important. And especially if the Rangers do, hopefully, they're expected to match up with the Penguins. We know that as of now. If they have that home ice, man, oh, man. I mean, look. Rangers faithful. We haven't experienced playoff hockey in a little bit now. You know, they, they will, they will make MSG shake like no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's the X factor. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm just, if if we, if we go to game seven, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing just Jorkin at the guard in the game seven. Oh my my goodness. It'll be, it'll be crazy. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if the Rangers just do a nice four game sweep, but Hey, Seven hey, games I, are fun. Seven games are fun. They, they're, they're a roller coaster, but let me put it this way. Seven games are so much fun as long as you come out, you know, obviously victorious. Yeah. And the Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist. This, Henrik Lundqvist was the Justin uh, the Justin Williams of Game 7s. Game 7s, yeah. That's yeah, exactly he, yeah. what he was. So will yeah. Igor continue that? Will the torch be passed? Mm-hmm. I think it will. But, again, only time will tell. Yeah. But – Steven, uh, before we get into some fun playoff talk, before we even hit playoffs and break down more on these new acquisitions for the Rangers, let's uh, take it away by wrapping up the final game in this discussion, which, of course, was against the Red Wings. I'll go through this one a little bit quicker uh, to save some time, but uh, Rangers score first with Ryan Reeves, his third of the season. Um, And again, a goal when the Rangers are on TNT. So that was brought up during the broadcast last night. Um, Philip Hedel from Nemeth and Schneider uh, ties it up after conceding two goals by Rasmussen and Verana. Those were two bad goals to give up by Georgiev. Uh, really not happy with with how he uh, with how he he looked on those goals. Uh, we go into the first intermission tied at two. Um, unfortunately, Greg McKeck takes a penalty late with seven seconds to go in the first, so he has to spend the intermission in the penalty box as punishment, of course. Um, but then in the second period, 29 seconds in, Tyler Bertuzzi is left open in the slot, makes it 3-2. Um, uh, but then Panarin, uh, Ty- Panarin gets us back into it, you know, uh, assisted by Vetrano and Zibanejad. Again, Vetrano with a point. Uh, and Zibanejad, of course, doing what he does best in the month of March. Uh, third period, we have goals from Adam Ernie, assisted by Mark Stahl and Pius Suter. And then Kreider with only a couple of minutes to go on the power play. Assisted by Panarin and Fox, Kreider with his 46th of the season and his franchise record tying 24th on the power play. He now has as many power play goals in a single season as Yarmir Yager in 2005-2006. And that number 24 um, will be important as we get into this Rangers victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, that ties it up with a couple of minutes to go. The game goes to overtime and Michigan native Andrew Cobb with his 15th of the season, assisted by Artemi Panarin. Uh, Andrew Cobb now a five-game point streak um, as a deadline day acquisition for the Rangers. Not too um, bad. Uh, that's not too bad, no. And for Toronto, is not not doing too bad either. Uh, but yeah, the Rangers get the win there. Not a good game by Georgiev, but the team in front of him uh, pulls it out of the fire. 
Artemi Panarin with a goal and two assists, uh, three points. That was his 31st multi-point game on the road since joining the Rangers in, in 2019, which is tied for third most in the league in that span behind only Connor McDavid with 45 and Leon Dreisaitl with 42. So we always talk about how good Panarin is at Madison Square Garden. But yeah, let's not forget how good he also is on the road. He is the complete package. He's um, Mr. Consistent. Yeah. And that power play goal from Kreider was his seventh power play goal in the month of March, which is tied for the eighth most in NHL history. Wow. Uh, in a single month of March, uh, the only players to have more power play goals in a month of March are Pavel Bore, Dino Cicciarelli, Todd Bertuzzi, Paul Correa, Rod Brindamore, Pat Lafontaine, and Phil Esposito. That's not a bad list to be on. Not a bad. It's definitely a more, uh, you know, a intricate list looking at a month yeah. in particular, but and, very cool to see Ryder up we, there. We always talk about, you know, we want players that score for you late in the season. When, when everything's on the line, when the lights shine brightest, when everyone's looking for that playoff push, that's when you want your players to contribute. Petrano, Cobb, Fox, Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, they're all doing it, man. They're, they're all... They're all chipping in. Um, and yeah, Chris Kreider is 46th of the season. Um, after 68 games, that is tied for most by a Ranger. Tied with Jean Rattel, Adam Graves, and Yaramir Jager, who also had 46 goals after 68 games. So uh, very impressive. Take about Chris Kreider. Um, tying the franchise record with 12 games to go, or 14 games to go. Sorry, almost made the same mistake as you did. Um, yeah, really good. Really happy with what I'm seeing from Kreider. And the last thing I'll break down here before we get into, uh, you know, um, some other stuff. Uh, prior to the trade deadline, the Rangers ranked 23rd in the league in even strength scoring with 118 goals in 63 games, which is an average of 1.87. Since the trade deadline, the Rangers lead the league in even strength goals with 18 in five games, which is 3.6 per game. You know what? It's almost like these new guys have been a positive for this team. I know. And <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad they're they're chipping in at even strength because since the trade since uh the all-star break, the Rangers are dead last in power play opportunities. You know, and what does that tell you? That tells you that teams are making sure that they're far more disciplined against the best power play team in the league for the most part. Teams are adjusting, teams know our power play is is lethal. Is lethal, but the power play is still lethal. It still since is the, lethal. Since the playoff break, we are ranked number one in the league in, in on the power play. So when we don't get a lot of opportunities, but when we do, we capitalize on it. Well, sorry, Chris Kreider capitalizes on them. Um, but yeah, four four and oh, you know, winning four games in a row, great, great by the Rangers. Again, those regulation wins against the Penguins. Eight-point swing. That's exactly what we needed. So very happy with the Rangers this week. Okay. I got a lot to say here. But before I do, I do want to address a quick donation here in the live stream. Thank you so much, Mr. Sensei, for the $2 donor. I appreciate that. Hey, Brodor, but I see similarities of him and Chesty. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That That's something I really haven't thought about much when it comes to Brodor, mainly because of the fact that I, I, you know, I myself despise the man. So I naturally think of Hank, even though if, that if Hank – Hank and yeah. Igor have plenty of similarities, but one thing is for certain, it's not based on demeanor. That's the biggest thing where they are far apart on. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's your quick take on that, Stephen? 
I think I think Lundqvist has a lot in common with Dominic Hasek in that they are very flashy, very athletic yep. goalies, yep. very reactive. You know, they and I, I mentioned this in a previous recording. Lundqvist saves look great, but if you dive a little deeper into it, some of these saves are him uh, reacting. You know, whereas Shevchenko is a goalie that puts himself in the right position prior to making the save, so he doesn't look as flashy, but his 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 work ethic his vision his hockey iq is off the charts uh the similarity with brodor in the puck handling i can definitely see mm -hmm. um that's a good point but uh, i wish shashorkin had brodor's defense maybe 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 in the next couple of years again this is a yeah. start right that yeah, no, who knows who knows start of and something special and, you know, we have Fox, we have Truba, we have Schneider on the right. On the left side, we have Lindgren, Miller, and next season, hopefully Jones, maybe Lundqvist is, uh, is, is part of it somehow on the left side. Uh, we have options, you know, we have depth. And, and this is why I love, this is why I love that Drury did not trade away those, those assets. Okay. So one thing I want to last touch on from the Detroit game was one, Yuryev did everything possible to make the Rangers not win this one. And they somehow still won similar to a certain extent with the Buffalo game. So again, Yuryev by no means has looked good. He's a guy that we both have been under mm -hmm. the understanding that he's not going to be a Ranger long-term. I expect him to probably be part of what this off season. I think it'll be best for him. I think Yuryev deserves an opportunity to really try to compete for a starting spot on some type of different team. That's really in desperate need for goaltending help because Gurgiev has definitely shown this flashes of brilliance and more so when he has been a consistent starter. And I, you can tell that these gaps between games has definitely weighed on him and his lack of consistency. So don't look Gurgiev there. The final thing I mentioned 24, because this team Rangers team, there's so many ways to describe them this year, but one perfect word is resilience. This was their 24th comeback victory of the season for the Rangers. They have just been elite no matter how much that they are down. It's more than more than not more likely than not, not going to be for a lack of effort. And they definitely have exhibited that. And I think that's a great segue too. and shout out everybody in the live stream. If you're watching this live, thank you so much for being here. See a lot of familiar faces, my good buddy, Dave in the chat and all you others, Brody uh, core, all you guys, thank you so much for being here, but let's really break down a little bit further here before we get into the questions uh, from you guys that are watching live. And if you're listening to replay, if you guys want to share questions, just try to chime in the live streams as they happen on the Rangers review YouTube channel and subscribe, of course, but the immediate impact of these guys, Steven, Frank Vitrano, six games with the Rangers. Uh, pardon me, eight games with the Rangers, six points. Andrew Kopp, five games with the Rangers, seven points. Tyler Mott, zero points, 18 hits, and he has done everything but get on the score sheet. Tyler mm -hmm. Mott has brought a tremendous effort and element to this bomb six, that fourth line, that in my mind is quickly becoming a Rangers favorite. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Mott. He just has more balance to his game. He gives the Rangers more dimension in that bottom six. And again, as we said already, the Rangers went from being a borderline AHL caliber second half in the lineup team to in their yeah. bottom six, just looking so more well-rounded. Ryan Strom, they thrived even without him with Cop stepping up when they need him to because Cop can play, again, center and wing, which is so great. He's good on faceoffs too, has a strong two-way game that I think is criminally underrated. And now once Strom is back, that'll be more of a positive. I don't know exactly how long he'll be out for right now, dealing with that lower body injury from a couple of games ago. Capo Kaka will be back sooner than later. Very soon, Kevin actually. Rooney. 
Yeah, and of course, Kevin Rooney. So the Rangers have these plethora of options. It's always good when you have analysts want. Same thing with Braun. You know, hasn't even been playing. But it's not because of the fact that he's necessarily been terrible. But the Rangers just have options right now, and I, I love that. There's not there's there's no better problem to have than to have this type of dimension in your lineup uh, throughout your starting. So getting into these players a little bit further here, I did just want to touch on the Rangers as a whole over these past four games because we talked about the stats, but Kreider, four goals, three assists, seven points over these past four games for the Rangers. Love to see that. Sabanajad, five assists over the past uh, four games. Panarin, seven points, two goals, five assists over the past four games. Panarin, he is on pace to have his season low when it comes to goal scoring over 82-game span. But he has quickly shown that, yes, I can adapt and be that passer and has been a huge help on the power play, especially for the likes of Chris Kreider. So Chris Kreider is eating up that goal scoring, but Panarin is still getting those points when it matters most. And then Andrew Kopp, two goals, three assists, five points over these past four games. Obviously, Laffey, who has looked really good in my opinion still, very, very happy with what I'm seeing from Alexi Lafreniere and a limited role still. Two goals, one assist, three points. And Frank Vitrano, five points, four goals, one assist um, over these past four. So just plenty of depth here from the Rangers. So what yeah. has been your biggest takeaway from what Chris Drury has done and from the immediate results that we have gotten? Because for me personally, at least, this gave me those similarities of the Derek Broussard acquisition, right? Uh, John again, Moore, that type of thing. You know, it has again, that feeling again. It really yeah. does. I know I'm taking the words out of your mouth. I apologize. But that just shows why we are co-hosting yeah. this podcast together because yeah, we think true. the same. That's true. Look, I was going to say this this trade deadline reminds me of 2013. Not so much in the way of what we gave up because, of course, back then we gave up uh, Marion Gabrick, who was a big player. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the player he once was at that stage. But you gave up Marion Gabrick. And, but the players you got back, you got Derek Broussard, Ryan Clough, Derek Dorsett, John Moore. And I remember the first game after the deadline in 2013. I think we beat the Penguins 6-1 at home. Uh, Chloe had two goals and an assist. Moore had a goal. Broussard had a goal and three assists. Uh, the way Vetrano and, and Kopp are, are producing right now, I love it. I, I hope they keep it up. But look, the Rangers have been really good with, with acquiring players at the deadline and then contributing offensively. Um, and Cobb, I think Cobb is a serious, uh, um, serious candidate for an extension. Out of the three, he's probably uh, the front runner. Uh, my my biggest question then becomes, if I'm the general manager and I have to choose between Vetrano and Cobb, or sorry, between Vetrano and Mott, who do I sign to an extension? Because I can probably not afford both. Um, because I, I did the math, even when you trade Hedl and Nemeth away and replace them with with guys on ELCs, you're still not gonna have enough money uh to sign both Vetrano and Mott. Uh and that's without Reinstrom. Reinstrom is off the books then, Georgiev is off the books then, but you still need to get a backup goalie, you still need to add two more players aside from Mott or Vetrano, who you would then sign. And if I have to choose between those two, as much as I love what Vetrano brings to this team, I think it's easier to replace what he brings than it is to replace what Tyler Mott brings to this team. So I would then extend Tyler Mott. He would be my second uh, priority for Chris Drury. Because with Lafreniere and Kako and Othman and Berard and maybe even Kraftsov still in the mix, you have that talent for that for those top six winger spots 
to to sort of replace the goal scoring that Vetrano brings to your team. But do we have any fourth liner that brings the resilience, the tenacity, and at the same time the composure on the penalty kill that Tyler Mott brings to this team? I don't think we do. I think Tyler Mott is a whole lot harder to replace than Frank Vetrano. So that'll be an interesting uh, uh, discussion for Chris Drury to have this offseason. Uh, but for now, I'm really happy with what Chris Drury has done at the deadline. You know, you give up you give up depth assets, day two picks, as I call them. Anything outside of the first round is is the draft on Saturday. So I, I refer to those as day two draft picks. Day two draft picks and Morgan Barron, who at best was going to be a third-line center for you, that's what you gave up, and I love it. I love that we didn't go all in. I love that we didn't give up Jones or Lundqvist, Altman, Barard, or a guaranteed first rounder. I know the second rounder in the cop trade is conditional, but if we make it to the final four, that's a that's a first round pick I'm happy to part with because the experience you gain is worth a lot more than a 29th overall pick. And it's a second round pick at that point. It really is. It, it, it's it's closer to a second round pick than a first round pick. If it's yeah. 29th at best, because you make the final four. Look, um, I I really I really look forward to seeing what they're gonna do in the month of April. I think 75% of their games are gonna be at home. That's definitely a good way to round out the season. But they do still have some tough matchups. We know that. Of course, of course. But you know, we're talking about a team that's top five in the league and I have been very cautious about not getting too optimistic about this team because that five-on-five game wasn't there. Because they weren't generating offense consistently at even strength. And they're doing it now, and I love it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I was wrong. It just means they addressed it, you know. Uh, The fact that it works now doesn't mean that it worked back in February because we all saw that it didn't. Uh, But... Yeah, these numbers, again, you know, just for people that, that you know, maybe just tuned in, prior to the deadline, 1.87 even strength goals per game, which was 23rd in the league. And after the deadline, 3.6 even strength goals per game, which leads the league. I know it's a small sample size, but that's very, very hopeful, especially going into the playoffs where, as we all know, the referees swallow their whistles. You're not going to have as many power play opportunities. You need to win those games at even strength. Yep. So really happy with what I'm seeing from this team. Um, yeah, and and right now, aside from watching the games, it's 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 the Chris Kreider show. I I'm really rooting for him to score at least eight more goals to to tie Yarmey Yager, but um, eight goals in 14 games seems doable. See, it seems doable given the fact of the type of season Chris Kreider yeah. has been having. My only, right? my only caveat there is, my only concern is that once we clinch home ice advantage, let's say with like four games to go, yeah, we are nine points ahead of the Penguins. I, I'm afraid we're going to sit a couple of players, including Adam Fox. And our power play without Adam Fox, oof, that's... That's yeah, that, that's a big no-no. But again, that's a good problem to have, and we'll discuss that should we get to that point. Hopefully, you know that that'd be awesome if the Rangers are able to secure home ice. Uh, but I do want to. Um, so at the moment, after 68 games, the 24 power play goals is the most in franchise history, which shows that back in 2006, in the final 14 games of the season, Yaga only got one power play goal. Oh wow! Okay. So. 
imagine how many he would have had if he was a little if, if he had a little bit more opportunities in the in the in that home stretch in in 06. he only yeah. got one power play goal in the last 14 games uh, yeah I, but look last thing i'll say about Kreider is this is a season for the ages this is a season we will be talking about for decades you know we've been talking about adam graves in 94 for almost 30 years now now let's talk about Kreider. hopefully not for another 30 because i want to see some things happen more on the productive level of the Rangers offense in years going forward. I don't expect there to be another Kreider season like this, you know, no. anytime soon. But the point is, is that I do hope that this is more so of the start, especially since Panarin land with the Rangers, where we're just constantly seeing better and better performances on a consistent level than what we saw in the 2010 Rangers. And of course, you know, going back to the nineties outside of their 94 run and everything like that. But I did want to mention this quick because this is a great donation from Davis here in the live stream. Thank you so much for that, my friend. It really did mean a lot. He says, went to the game in Detroit last night. Georgie had a bad night, but the guys are really contributing in their own ways. A thousand percent. Retrano with the shoot first mentality, Mott with the grit, and Cop with the smarts. I think that's a nice, simple way of putting it. I'm glad that you went to the game last night, Davis. I hope you had a fantastic time. I really mm -hmm. do appreciate the donation. You've been a great supporter here on Rangers review, but yeah, no, uh, they, they all have different. They all have different aspects to their game. That's so productive for the Rangers. They didn't get multiple guys that are the same in that sense. You know, you got the speed, you have that shoot first mentality with Vitrano, and we'll see how the Rangers utilize him heading into the offseason. But then you also, of course, have Tyler Mott and everything that he brings, which really is an X factor in that bomb six on that fourth line. And then Andrew Kopp is just that beautiful Swiss Army knife. You know, he, in certain aspects, he reminds me of Fast, where you can put Fast anywhere and he will make that line better. But it's like, it's like that but times 10, you know, cop just has more elements to his game, more mm -hmm. offensive production. And again, can play that center with ease and do it really yeah. well. So cop, uh, cop yeah. reminds me a lot of Derek Brassard, not, not, not stylistically, but what they bring and how they, how they elevate their game late in the season. And I mentioned this last week, if you remember Andrew Cobb in the month of April is lethal. Yep. So, and yeah, we're really going to see, do you know how, what his stats are exactly in April? Do you have them on you or no? Oh, let me quickly look that up. Okay. While you do that, I'm going to yeah. switch things up now. We're going to start answering some questions, folks, for the next five to 10 minutes before we wrap up the pod by looking at the upcoming schedule and uh, the Rangers number history of number 52. Um, so let's get into some questions, guys. If you have any of them, ask I, I, I got I got it here. Um, okay, go ahead. In his career, in the month of April, Andrew Cobb has 22 points in 31 games. Um, that's as many points in April that, as Jalen Schwartz, Mitch Marner, Sebastian Ajo, and Ryan Johansson, to name a few. Okay, nice. So, yeah, we'll see what he brings in April. Hopefully yeah. hopefully that, that trend for him continues. That would be great to see. Um, and the but tinted visor. Oh. I love the tinted. Oh, it's so badass! I mean, it, I, I, it makes it makes me think of you know old school Ovi. It also makes me think of I'm blanking on the man's name. I do believe he was a New York Ranger, or he was at least I think he was on the Thrashers. Oh my goodness! Um, who? who? Antropov. Repeat that. Nick, Nick Antropov. Yes, yes, Antropov. Thank you. Yep, yeah. exactly who I was thinking of. Yep, I was blanking on the name though. Is he? Is he from Kazakhstan? Uh, I think so. I think so too. Uh, yeah, he's he's 
Yeah, he was born in uh, Kamenogorsk in Kazakhstan. There you go. Some ra- some random stats, some random things that I have in my mind when it comes to hockey players. Um, but okay, let's answer some questions now. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got some good ones. And again, thank you guys all so much for the comments and for the support. We appreciate How do I see Heedle's future? I mean, I, it just keeps going back and forth. I feel like, you know, Heedle's been playing very well lately. Um, but if I'm putting that short-term bias aside, I think that he's just a massive question mark heading into the offseason, especially given where the Rangers are right now. You know, depending on what his utilization will be, for the remainder of the season, once Capo and Rooney's back is yet to be determined, it's really going to be up to, you know, who plays the best hockey. Whoever's playing the best hockey will stay in the Rangers lineup. And even if they're not playing terrible, if they're just not playing to the same extent that maybe Galan is liking, you're going to you're gonna be sitting in the be- in the box. That's just how it's going to be. But off-season-wise, I, I genuinely don't know. You know, Vitrano has a good chance of still returning. I know that you would like Mont over Vitrano right now if you have to pick between the two, Steven, but it doesn't denounce the idea of, of course, bringing them both back. Same thing, of course, with Andrew Kopp. All these guys, you know, are pending for agents, so we'll see. But the, I think Heedle's a massive wild card heading into the offseason. Yeah, I genuinely have no clue what his future is right now. In the offseason, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a, a, logic, a logical – or, or, I mean, common sense would indicate that he's gone in the offseason simply because the Rangers have to make some cap decisions here. Yeah. We have Fox and Zabanajet with their new contracts kicking in. Um, especially Fox. You know, you go from 900K to 9.5 million. That money has to come from somewhere. Um, even if you sign COP, and Mott and Kako and Blay, and then add some players to fill out the, the rest of the roster, including a backup goalie and a forward and a defenseman. You still, with, even when you get rid of Hedl and Nemeth, you still won't have enough to keep a guy like Vetrano. Imagine, it, it basically comes down to, would you like to keep Mott enough to part ways with Hedl? And... If you have Zibanejad and Kopp as your top six centers, are you comfortable going with Goudreau on your third line? I mean, I'd rather have Goudreau on the third line centering uh, than Philip Heal, especially if it means I get to keep Tyler Mott on the fourth line. So tough decisions for Drury. Um, if Heal was on a $1 million a year deal, he'd still be on the team. But I think he's at $2.3 million. And Nemeth at 2.5. Um, unless they trade a bigger contract away, I don't think those two have a future in New York. Fair. Hopefully Nemeth is the first man gone this offseason. And the salary cap only goes at hockey lately. What's yeah. that, Stephen? The salary cap only goes up one million, but yep. that one million is already included in my calculations and, and all this. So okay, fair. All right, let's get to a couple more, shall we? Uh, Dominic, this is especially for you, Stephen. So what are your thoughts on uh, Liam Bichelle as a probable late first-round draft pick? Uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't know what Drury wants to do in, in, in the draft. Um, at this point, we're not even sure if we're going to have a first-round pick. That's, um, that's, that's a great point. And and you know last season there were all the, there was all this talk about you know are we going to trade a first round pick for Jack Eichel this and that 
and we ended up keeping it and drafting Brennan Othman 16th overall. Um, a lot will depend on how Drury wants to use his, his, his draft capital. Because even if we don't reach the conference final, this upcoming summer, if we go into the offseason with a first-round pick, I am convinced that Drury is going to use it to acquire a player that is cheap for a couple of more years that can contribute. Because those players cost draft assets. And I'm perfectly fine with trading away Zach Jones or Nils Lundqvist or Matthew Robertson or our first-round pick. If the, if the player coming the other way is going to be on this team for at least five years. And if the first couple of years of that tenure are, is going to be on a cost-controlled uh, on a cost-controlled cap hit, uh, that that's great. Look, just an example. I know this is never going to happen because the Dallas Stars are never going to trade him away. But <laughs> you and Rupe Hints get a room. <laughs> Rupe Hints, who's on the books for three point one million, that for three point one million, getting a top six player, that's the type of of target you you would go for um if you you know if 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 you're trading away your your first round pick or your top prospects you know that's the type of player where you go okay this is someone i'm willing to i'm willing to really go for um if they do keep their pick i think they have a lot of a lot of options I don't see Drury going necessarily with a European prospect high in the draft because of the way they revamped their North American scouting the last couple of years. Um, I think the highest European player they drafted in recent years was Oliver Tarnstrom, and that was in the third round. Yeah. So last year we had Othman in the first, uh, Grube and Korzak in the third, and then it was we had three fourth round picks, and we used. Uh, we used one of those on, on Vicenon. So our highest draft pick from Europe last year was Vicenon. The year before was Tarnstrom in the third. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say which direction Drury takes. But with the high picks, I, I do expect them to go with the North American kid. Um, maybe they go with a familiar name, uh, Jack Hughes, who is the younger brother of Rangers prospect Riley Hughes. Brady Berard, who is the younger brother of Brett Berard. Um, we've seen it in recent years, you know, where, where teams don't shy away from nepotism picks anymore. Uh, Arizona Coyotes going with Shane Doan's kid, yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks drafting, uh, Colton, uh, Colton, was it, is it Colton Doc, The younger brother of Kirby Doc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course the same Blackhawks who trade for not only Seth Jones, but Caleb Jones. Um, so I'm not saying the Rangers are definitely going to go with the younger brother of a Rangers prospect, but I wouldn't rule it out either. Um, it's just, it's too, too, too early to tell. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to the draft. If we keep our first round pick, uh, I'll do some more, I'll do some more deep dives and I'll probably get back to it in a, in a future video. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be completely blunt. I have not deep dived anything on the draft yet whatsoever. I, no. There just hasn't been. I just haven't had that interest yet, in part because no. of how the Rangers season has gone. But no. to your point, if we do keep that first round pick, then by all means, you know, the, the ensuing months as we get closer to the draft, I'm going to be diving into it all and figuring out no. what exactly. And, 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 the, and the thing with Leon Bichot is if you, if you look at, you know, his, his career so far, the teams that he played for are definitely – 
teams the Rangers are familiar with. You know, he played in Alton where uh, Brendan Altman played in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, he plays for Lexans now where Carla Shalin played for, who was a Rangers prospect who they didn't uh, sign last summer. So his rights expired. Okay. Um, sorry, I just I just love looking at these connections. You know, like this is why the dread the trade deadline was so interesting for me because we were basically collecting Jacob Truba's friends. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a great way of putting it. No, you're you're 100 right. And the connections are fun as long as it leads to success. If it's yeah. I, I'm not in favor of nepotism, especially if it doesn't benefit your team, right? But if it this, does, and by the all means, that just means that you have the upper hand because you had a better evaluation of the player. The last time the Rangers uh, drafted a player where you could accuse them of nepotism was 2018. Yep. Uh, Simon Schelberg, sixth-round pick. But he has really exploded this year. For a sixth-round pick, he's really exceeded his value already. So, uh, yeah, in hindsight, good pick. Um, look, I, I, at this moment, I'm not really looking towards the draft yet. I'm looking more towards uh, undrafted free agency, college players. Uh, Bobby oh Trevino, my God, we didn't man. even talk about him. Oh, yeah. son of a... Mm, I'm annoyed now. Bobby uh, Trevino. It's, the Rangers have been on such a high. I wasn't thinking yeah. about anything else. Go yeah, ahead, Bobby Steven. Trevino of UMass, who played with Zach Jones, of course. He's been linked to the Rangers several times because he was invited to the prospect camp, but unfortunately, due to the pandemic delaying those prospect camps, he couldn't join. Um, and I think the big ticket after we already signed Brandon Scanlon, the big ticket is Ben Myers, who is a center playing for the University of Minnesota, I think. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the big ticket to go after, and especially with the lack of center depth the Rangers are dealing with right now in their prospect pool. I'm curious so. to see where the Rangers will land in that running. Bobby, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't see how Bobby doesn't land with the Rangers at this point. He grew up a I mean, diehard Rangers fan, New York native, had yeah, season yeah. tickets. Like, exactly. I mean... The only the only way I can see him not landing with the Rangers is because he say gets a more increased role yeah. with the Islanders. That's and another thing is, that's been in on him. The Panthers, but they're deeper teams still. Though. Yeah, yeah. This is how the Rangers actually got Brandon Scanlon. You know, they had his contract kick in immediately to sweeten the pot, and that's then he signed with the Rangers. Trevino, yeah. the only team that I'm worried about is the Florida Panthers because his former agent yes. now works with the Florida Panthers. Yep, I'm glad you brought that up too, and Again, I apologize. You know, they, that we did not bring this up sooner. I, yeah. I'm an asshole for that. I'm I'm so sorry. I I, I don't know why I it completely blew over my head. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about it more soon. When are they available to sign? It's when their season ends. Yeah. So so when 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 they get eliminated, um, after yeah. their senior year. Okay. Well, not necessarily the senior year. That's for drafted players. Yep. So uh, Neil Pyong signed with us after his sophomore year, I think. Correct. Yeah, as long oh, as they right. want to sign and don't want to return for another year. Exactly. Because once you sign your ELC, you cannot go back to college. Unlike Correct. juniors, you can sign your ELC and still go back to juniors, have your ELC slide. With college players, that's not an option. Uh, once you once you sign your ELC, you cannot go back to college. But you can sign the moment your team is eliminated. And uh, Trevino and UMass are eliminated now, so keep an eye on that name. I think... Ben Myers and Minnesota are eliminated as well, but I'm not 100% sure. I haven't really. I have that. to look up Ben because I don't know um, how many teams have reportedly shown interest in him. I don't know what his market looks like right now. I know about Trevino, obviously, because that's been reported yeah. famously. 
Um, Ben Myers. Yeah, I got to write that down to remember. But I'm going to answer a couple more questions, and then we're going to wrap things up heading into the upcoming schedule, given time constraints, guys. But um, by ben, the way, hold on. Uh, ben Myers is still in it because they beat Wisconsin. Okay. All right. Going to keep going to keep an eye on Ben Myers. Yeah. Um, okay. Here, good. Two good questions I see right away. Um, Ziga, will we um uh, go with uh, Kincaid over Georgie as backup? Right now, I get scared on dump ins with this guy. If I see him as a starter, I get the Alka Seltzer out. Not a good thing. Um, to quickly answer that, no, Georgiev is going to be this uh, the backup um, for the remainder of the season. That's how it's going to go. I don't see a world where they have Kincaid unless. Yuriev has another starter too. That's just so piss poor before playoffs where it warrants them at least having Kincaid, you know, in the mix as an option, even as a healthy scratch. Um, but no, Yuriev is still the guy to beat um, between the two, um, whether we like it or not. Uh, but either way, none of them should be having any time come playoffs. Um, I got as long as Igor stays healthy, obviously. Um, let's see another comment hold on, here. Hold on. I want to quickly jump in on that. You All know, right. Jump they, in, Steven. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to see a Kincaid call up this early uh, after the trade deadline because you have to remember NHL teams only have four call ups after the deadline. Yeah, that's um, fair. So and 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 they probably want Kincaid and Hartford because Hartford's making a push too. Uh, I know they traded away Tarmo Reunanen, which yeah, we, we forgot had. about effing Tarmo. This is we, about uh, the Rangers Last, have been playing so good. We haven't been thinking about anything else. Last time, I'll last time I'll have his Rangers jersey up there. Uh, Tarmo Reunanen traded to the Carolina Hurricanes. Steven, you uh, need to stop buying like certain prospect stuff. You got, you got, you have a Lee, you have a Lee Sanderson like shrine in that room somewhere. I bet. Yeah, yeah but we, I, also, I bet I also have seven Alexi Lafreniere jerseys. So I know, um, but that's that's the first overall pick though, as you should <laughs> like. <laughs> True, true. But, you know, the reason I, I sometimes commit to buying a jersey is because I've had a personal interaction with a player. Oh, you know, of, uh, I, you know, I understand that. I'm just poking yeah. fun because of we, course. we keep but our look, guys. Tarmo Reunion traded for Maxime Leitunov, uh, who, and here we come with the connections again, played with Johnny Brodzinski, Anthony Greco, and Adam Huska. Uh, uh, oh, early okay. In his career. Uh, played, with the, played with those two in San Jose. Uh, played with Huska for UConn, which means he played in Hartford at the Exile Center. So, so he's he, familiar he, there. The the locker room is literally a familiar place for him. Um, and and I think this is a move. Look, the Rangers had to make a move here. Tarmo Rionanen was going to be an RFA. He's probably he probably wasn't going to sign his qualifying offer, so he could have gone back to Finland where he has a bigger role. They traded him for a player that short term is going to help them replace Morgan Barron in Hartford. You know, they get some AHL scoring. They still need something. Uh, and, yeah, Tarmo Reunanen, I think he already got his first goal for the Chicago Wolves, uh, which him. is the minor league affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes. This is the other thing. The last couple of years, there have been so many reshuffles with affiliates in the AHL. I hate it. I mean, the fact that the Hurricanes don't have the checkers anymore. Yeah, because the, the, checkers, the checkers went to the Panthers – the Wolves went from, I think, Vegas, from the Golden Knights to the Hurricanes. Then the Hurricane, uh, the Golden Knights got their own affiliate, the Henderson Silver Knights. Um, the Milwaukee Admirals were the Nashville Predators affiliate, but at the same time also the Florida Panthers affiliate. And 
it's it's hard to keep up and 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 keep these connections in your head but uh yeah Tarmo Reunanen you know he had a couple of games for the Rangers had an assist on his NHL debut uh which was hockey fights cancer night uh, you know uh, happy to see him uh, get a shot at the Calder Cup with the Chicago Wolves hope hopefully if the, if Hartford doesn't win it I hope for him he gets it so uh, yeah that, that was a minor league move but Shout out, to, shout out to Tarmo. You know, I wish him nothing but the best. There, yeah. there just wasn't there just wasn't going to be a place for him anytime soon, given the obvious depth in this Rangers mm-hmm. farm and in the current team defense. Okay, so this is an interesting question that I want to take first, if you don't mind. All right, before you do, I just did want to mention one more thing. When that Tarmo trade happened right away, it was like, okay, this is this is a lesser Joey Keane, Julian Gauthier. Uh, 2.0 mm-hmm. is what we're having transpire. Lesser in the sense because they, they are not expected to be as impactful. But, uh, it's 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 the annual trade between the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. If Strom comes back, I would still put Strom down the middle on Panarin's line and put Cop on the right side. Um, when Kako comes back, though, that's when it gets interesting. I would love to see a Panarin Cop Kako line because I think that would work really well. That would put Strom on the third line, which depth, you know. If your third line can be Lafreniere, Strom, Hedl, and that is that is some some good depth to have. Um, I'm really looking forward to Kako coming back, but but when Strom comes back first, yeah, just put Cobb back on the wing, but keep Cobb with Panarin. You know, they 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 play well together, which gives Drury all the more reason to uh, to not go all in on those Strom extensions. The more that. This honestly could have not worked more, not in uh, Strom's favor and all in Cobb's favor with Strom well, being hurt at this time, just because of the fact that you're, you're you're getting to see more of Cobb and what he's supposed to bring. But when he gets to be in an increased role with Panarin and he's doing well, naturally, that's something that Drury can look at and say, okay, this gives us more of an idea on how we may potentially want to approach things come the offseason, you know? Yeah, true. Uh, look, I, I think I think with Cobb here, they're going to commit to Andrew Cobb and Strom is going to go uh, sign for a big bag of cash in free agency, which he should. You know, it's the first time he can really cash in. Um, if a team is willing to give him seven million a year, he'd be he'd be an idiot not to take it. Yeah, he would. Be, and he there would will be teams desperate enough to to to, to give that to a player. So. You're not you're not wrong, and I, I'm really curious to see how you know Strom's going to look back look like when he's back from injury. How everything's going to be configured with Kako mm-hmm. and Rooney sooner than later, and you know come playoff time, how this is all going to gel. Where is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? All I know is that I'm not trying to get ahead of myself for the off season because I want we have to appreciate what's ahead right now, which is the Rangers on the cusp of having a 50 win season for the first time in a minute. They haven't done that since uh, Elaine Vigneault's second season with the Rangers, I believe, because I don't think they cracked 50 the cup run, but the next year they were a better team. And that's of course when they lost, unfortunately to Tampa in the playoffs. Uh, But yeah, it's been a minute since the Rangers have been, you know, a 50 win club. And I'm, I hope that the Rangers get there. They have plenty of time and opportunity to do just that with 14 games left. And I think that's a great pivot now into the upcoming schedule for the Rangers um, before we look at this being episode 52 and what exactly that means. But for everyone watching, let's see where we get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for chiming in for Rangers review episode 52. When we take a look at the Rangers upcoming schedule before we talk again, Steven, which 
as things stand right now, I would say the next time we will talk is uh, next Wednesday, uh, which actually should align well with me. Um, probably sometime midday, maybe later in the day, depending on things. Uh, that is the day before opening day uh, for myself and all of us baseball fans out there too. But the Rangers have three games until we are planning to discuss again. Ooh. Starts with the Islanders this Friday at home. Rangers lost their last game against the Isles on St. Patty's Day, a game that should not have ended the way it did, thanks to some god-awful officiating that led to Paul Mary um, scoring that goal right towards the end, unfortunately. Um, then we have the Philadelphia Flyers at home. We'll see if Ryan Braun is in the lineup for that one to face his former team uh, this season. That will be Sunday the 3rd. And then back against the Devils again. Let's see if the Rangers could actually play content hockey against them outside the first period. Uh, from what The Devils have been a little bit of a thorn in the Rangers' side at times this season for sure. Let's see if they can step up on the 5th uh, next Tuesday against them. So, Stephen, you won the predictions last time we talked, so you get to go again uh, for these next three games for the Rangers. What do you think uh, your your prediction is going to be? Let me hear it. I feel like I've been going first for a couple of weeks now. That's a good sign, right? What's Cause that? Because the, the winner always goes first. Winner goes first, yes. Yeah, you, I feel like won, I've been going you've first. You've won at last... least two, two or three straight now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's starting to feel comfortable. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> let's see you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go crazy and say three and oh okay. islanders at home flyers at home and then the devils <laughs> on the road they're not gonna lose to the devils again man no i don't see it son of a bitch i hate the fact they can't pick three and oh um <laughs> all right uh okay i'm gonna go with two oh and one because i was three- Georgiev was, is getting was, one of these suggest, games. I was going to suggest 2-0-1 because – Georgiev you know, is getting at least one of these games, which means there's a very solid chance that the Rangers have a far tighter game than what they should against any of these three clubs. Um, so I'm going to go 2-0-1. What do you got, yeah, Gold? Normally, it's it's your offense that takes you to OT, but for the Rangers, <laughs> it's the goalie that does. Yes. <laughs> um. All right, let, let me write this down quickly. 3-0-0, and then you go 2-0-1. Three games. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with. How many goals? Other well, even strength. Goal scoring has picked up quite a bit. I'm gonna go with ten. In three games. Okay, I'm going eleven because I look at these opponents. These are definitely games that the Rangers right. can get. So you're taking the over. Taking All the right. over this time. Yep. Interesting. All right. What's next? What's next is the Rangers history of number 52, Stephen. By the way, can we talk about the fact that we were able to talk to to mention Tarmo Rionen last week before he got traded in this? That's yeah, that's a good point. It it was it was nice that we were able to do that. Tarmo obviously being 51. Um all right. Can you remember any players wearing number 52 for the Rangers in an official game? When was the last time that happened? Can you tell me that? No, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you if you can remember anyone, any any one of them. Off the top of my head, no one is hitting right now. I'm not gonna look at the uh, the chat and the live stream either because I don't want to cheat. No. Um, no, off the top of my head, no. I would need a hint that could maybe get me there. It, it, it has never happened before. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm not looking like an idiot for once. I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hard to that, imagine. Uh, um, unfortunately, for today's recap. Um, 
no player has ever worn number 52 for the New York Rangers in an official game. Of course, it happened in preseason. We go over this once in a while where we go, oh, but this player went out. It's official game, so regular season, postseason only. Uh, no Ranger has ever worn number 52. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, that's okay. You know, I don't mind it. Uh, 52 isn't my favorite number. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big and, deal. And, 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 and now people in the comments cannot give it away either. So That's that's true. So it all works out in the end. But, um, Stephen, I think that just about does it for the pod. So if there's any final comments you'd like to make before we head out here, by all means, go ahead. Um, it's Carter season, maybe. It's Kreider season, baby. Simply put, I, you know, mic drop, right? That I think that's a great way of anything. So to everyone that chimed in, this was Rangers Review episode 52. Thank you all so much watching or listening wherever you get your podcast. We will be back hopefully next Wednesday. That'll be April 6th. Yes, we're going to be in April finally, getting closer to the playoffs, seeing how the Rangers do over these next three games. But until then, hope everyone has a great rest of your next week, and we'll be back real soon. Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.